Uh, welcome to V'ger, please. A hateful voyage from the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm Peter. Peter, I, uh, I have, I have urgent breaking news. Whatever could that be, Joe? I, did you know that we can be reached at V'gerplease at gmail.com? You'd be surprised how many people hate email and refuse to use it. Their face is going. But, uh, no, I'm just, uh, no, not everyone does social media. I know we, we mostly communicate with our fans via Facebook, but, uh, I guess we just wanted to start by letting people know who might be listening to this, who who are aghast at the idea of giving their identifying information to the Zuck, and they probably live more fulfilled lives as a consequence. These are the kind of people who are smart enough to stay off the holodeck. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Which, that's going to pay dividends here in a moment. So we got the email address. What else we got? Twitter? We do. We have Twitter, at please. Uh, we have Facebook, same, V'ger Please, take your right to us. Uh, we have a Facebook group, V'ger Please Trauma Support. We just really want to interact more with our fans, I guess is the point. We see people download it and, and, and we get a little bit of feedback here and there and people like it, but we just want more. We want we want to hear from you. Tell us what you think. Uh, what's your hot take? How are we fucking up? Uh, what, what would you like us to do? What? What extra special, very special episodes, uh, you know, about the dangers of smoking would you like to see from Peter and I? Whatever. The dangers of space vaping. The dangers of space vaping. You know, we got people who are listening to this podcast who can tell us a lot about the dangers of space vaping. Mm-hmm. You and I both know. Also, uh, tell your friends about us. Yeah, absolutely. Share this podcast uh, whatever way you like to on whatever format. And also, thanks. A couple people pointed out some of the feeds. uh didn't fully update in a timely fashion for our last episode. When when we get told that, I can you know email the the right people to make sure they get refreshed and all that. So I will say that I you know when I go through, I listen to our episodes for quality control. And uh, you know, <clears throat> there's what Joe and I record, and there's what Joe actually edits together. There's a lot of fun stuff you do that we don't really plan out. You know, it's it's Joe shouldering the heavy lifting on editing these episodes. So I think it's fun when I get in and see, you know, how he spruced some of these episodes up. But I listen on uh, Spotify, but I see being the the Google fanboy I am, Google's putting a lot of attention into the podcast world and they're going to be replaced or uh, releasing a specific standalone podcast player app, which I'm looking forward to using. Yeah, I mean, I use uh, Google Play Music to download it myself. It's terrible. I hate Google Play Music. I, I want to like it, but I, I can. I think that's why they're making a new app is because Google Play Music loses my space in it all the time and it pisses me off. Because I, I tend to listen to the whole thing all at once, I guess that's why I don't hate it. And it just kind of downloads automatically into my phone. So that's why I like it. I'm just not – I'm not ensconced in Mother Apple. I got nothing to do with Apple, although – yeah, if you're checking out all the other places we are, if you want to swing by uh, iTunes and drop us some reviews, that uh, deeply appreciated. Anywhere we can uh, get the the word out. And I apologize for spending the first few minutes of this podcast shilling, uh, but every so often we just want people to let us let them know they interact with us if you like the podcast, and if you really like it, tell people about it. That's really all we want from you. We don't want anything else. We, we're not doing this for anything but to entertain, and we just want to entertain more people. So there you have it. 
And uh, we wanted to get that out of the way uh, now because the rest of this episode is going to talk about possibly uh, the most miserably terrible and shitty experience I've ever had watching uh, network television, but in a way that will hopefully entertain you. Would you by any chance be talking about season two, episode six, Twisted? Peter, to start us off, I would like to read some of the actual notes that I uh, I took while watching this episode, just to share share with you verbatim what I wrote down. Would you like to go on this journey with me? Sure, I got about an hour to kill. Go for it. This is this was my thought process. Life is pain. Kill me now. Why not end it? Why can't this end now? Hold on. <clears throat> You're reading out of your Voyager podcast notebook. This isn't like your old. Uh... Like the margins in your old history notebook from high school. No, this is this is from like three hours ago. So this is not like fifteen-year-old emo Joe. No, no, well, that part of my brain, you know that 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 probably would have really liked listening to Lincoln Park if Lincoln Park had existed when I was in high school. That emerged. I I think the number one note I wrote down that I wanted to share with you is why did I agree to do this. I'll tell you why is because deep down inside what you really wanted was the opportunity to sit down and watch yet another fucking Neelix gets jealous episode. It wasn't just a fucking Neelix gets jealous episode. No, it's, it's a couple of shitty things, but that's really what lingered like the, the festering piece of shit. I, I get that you didn't like it, and I also know that a lot of people on the production crew thought this was one of the, if not the worst episode. Uh, for sure, it's a stinker. This is, what, three shitty episodes in a row? Because prior to this, we had uh, Non Sequitur, which, while I had a ton of fun pooping on, like, you know, face value crap episode. Agreed. Elogium, which is, I maintain, the worst episode that I think I've seen in Voyager yet, but... This was crappy, but I don't think it was the worst. This was uh, this was a bad version of the cloud. Remember how the cloud was like four B plots duct taped together to create an episode, and it, yeah. all of them were miserable. I still enjoyed watching that because it was funny. This was just. Actually, I did act, uh, crack up laughing at one point, but it was like in that sort of my mind was breaking into the mouth of madness theater scene that ends that movie kind of way where like this, my sanity was leaving me. And as, as a consequence, I could laugh only at the absurdity of existence itself. Well, let's dig in. Uh, our episode starts with uh, a introduction to the uh, old French whorehouse that Tom whipped up in the holodeck. I'm going to go ahead and point out this is back-to-back old French whorehouse episodes because non-sequitur, you know, they end up in uh, the real version of this to Kess walking and asking around, the lights are off, and then everybody jumps out from behind pool tables and everything and yells surprise, and we find out that it's Kess's uh, sweet two-party <laughs> And I do love that everyone had uh, their gifts gift wrapped, uh, which tells you two things. One, somehow we have not advanced beyond wrapping paper in the 24th century. And two, when everyone replicated their gifts for Kess, 
they replicated shit uh, to cover the replicated shit with, which I figured you'd have a hot take about. I will, and I'm going to get into all that, but I want to go to your point about wrapping paper still existing. What what do you think the appropriate 24th century equivalent to wrapping paper should be? Uh, you know, like a like a tiny force field or or maybe just not wrapping gifts and wrapping paper at all, just putting it in like a box or or something less wasteful, I guess. Like I don't know, something in the like future. I want to hang out here for a second. So so you're saying that the the appropriate thing to do with a gift in the future would be to put a cloaking device on it? <laughs> I don't know. Something neat. Something cool. Something sci-fi. I how about the total how about like the biggest possible cop out for a gift? You're already on the holodeck. And uh so skipping ahead a little bit, yeah, gifts come out and we we find out some uh some cool kind of background lore about <laughs> my favorite thing, the the terrible replicator situation on the ship. Yeah, so we we always talk about how Star Trek Next Gen Era is a uh, post-scarcity society that everybody has easy access to everything no one wants, and there's no more money, right? Currency has been absolved. But Indeed. here on Voyager, uh, replicator energy, replicator stock, wh- whatever makes the replicator go, the the fuel has now become a limited good. And there's only so much of it to go around. And they've essentially created a ration table. And, you know, I always assumed it was just being used for food. And we've joked about how Neelix is rocking some really ugly new stuff every time we see it. But so you now have a new currency system on Voyager, which is your replicator rations. And there's a strong value in that because that's comfort food, luxury food, anything that, you know, isn't Neelix's poison stew. And physical goods. So Tom gives uh what's her face? Uh space elf. Kess. <laughs> Kess is her Whatever. name. Gives Kess uh a necklace and everybody's tripping over themselves about how awesome this thing is, and she's like, Oh god, Tom, this must have cost you a week of rations. And then he's like, Well, actually two. I thought that was really cool that they've now established this new currency system. It makes you wonder. Like, okay, what about a gold necklace makes that two weeks worth of rations? Like, how much is a pot roast? Is it like the complexity? Is it the material? It opens up all these other doors that you can speculate on as to how replicators work and how it is that, you know, something like uh, that necklace takes two weeks worth of a single crew member's allotment to create. Uh, It may be the only part of the episode worthy of that kind of exploration. And it's a big deal. Because to me, it answers all of the questions I've had before. Why in some scenes are they using the replicators? Why in other scenes, you know, people stuck in the, the mess hall, this, that, where are the new, uh, you know, clothing and this other stuff coming from? This is the first time that the writing staff has really put something out that is just a good enough answer to shut me up. And I can quit asking, you know, just beating dead horse on on stuff that, you know, we see over and over again. But anyways, back to my initial comment. You're already on the holodeck, right? How shitty would it be? You know, we're joking about using a, a cloaking device or whatever. If you're like, uh, you know, hey, computer, use your different type of holodeck energy and make me, I don't know, a, a really awesome diamond or just some other like really fancy gift. You hand it to her. She thinks you got her something real nice. She walks off the holodeck. It disappears. <laughs> and you're just like, 
you just gaslight her like oh my god please tell me you didn't lose that ring that ring was so important that was a family heirloom and all this other shit and she's just going nuts thinking she lost and really you're just a dick it was a hologram it disappeared from her pocket and 24th century would really enables the worst relationships like abuse that's why neelix is in his prime (laughs) but before we jump into his shitty behavior and i know we're barely out of the first 10 seconds here, but I think this is where all the meat is on the bone in this episode. So they're using the old French whorehouse pool hall, right? And you've got a closed party. Uh, we'll later find out that, well, who's there? It's uh, it's Janeway. It's uh, Tom Paris. Neelix is there. Yeah, Chakotay, Balana. It's it's all the bridge it's crew except Kim and for... Tupac, who are actually on the bridge. And we'll jump up Correct. in a second. There's no one else from the expanded crew here, right? Like, Oh, the doctor's there too, unfortunately. He got roped into this bullshit. Yeah, just in the most shoehorned way possible so they could, I don't know, pay Robert Picardo for this episode or I don't know. Punish Robert Picardo for projections. (laughs) There's no one else from the crew there. And you can tell by the fact that like Kim's sweating trying to get into this party and like get off his uh, shift half an hour early. Like stuff like this is probably a pretty big deal around Voyager, right? And I'm just thinking like how shitty that only the bridge crew gets to be on this. And, you know, Neelix has this big crazy cake he brings out and like nobody else gets to partake in these reindeer games it seems very very clickish very shitty but about that cake about that cake by the way my wife my wife found that the most unbelievable part of the episode because she's just that there's no way you could fit seven layers into something that compact so if they're going to open that cake up and it's going to be some sort of alien space cat disaster. It's going to be there's um, no fucking way. more rotten cheese in it. But anyway, so along with the crew, all the hologram characters from this holodeck uh, program pop out and they yell happy birthday too. And they're standing around very warmly receiving Kess. I don't know how I felt about this. You know, we've, we've had a few conversations about holodeck characters and ai and this other stuff i would say that the characters on this program are much less complex obviously than the doctor they're more of like cardboard cutouts to flesh out an environment but they're interacting with everybody like they're all good friends they actually got invited to this party that no other human crew got uh allowed to come to maybe start wondering like you know we've got the barkley end of the spectrum where you're falling in, well, I should say the Barkley Geordie end of the spectrum where, you know, you're falling in love with the characters in these programs, having sex with them, whatever, like these primal urge things, right? But what about if you just became best friends with like a Gaunt Gary or whatever his name is in these other holiday? Like, is that a very sad thing to you? Well, they certainly portray it as sad in TNG by way of Barkley and even Jordy uh, when he has to kind of face facts with his hollow crush when he meets the real thing. But that's again, a romantic end. like all of Barkley's stuff. Like he was only really connecting personally with the women. He was most likely sleep. I'm sorry, the holograms he was sleeping with. And again, Jordy's thing was like an attraction. Like if, what if your just best friend is just gaunt Gary down in the pool hall? I would say that, Voyager does not suggest that that's weird as they go deeper and deeper into the the holodeck episodes. Uh, and there's some there's some real treats that come uh, our way when they start getting uh, they dip out of, you know, Big Tom's discount sex barn and start coming up with some other ideas about how everyone spends their time in the holodeck. 
Oh boy. Well, this is something I want to keep a, a finger on the pulse of because I understand it's hypocritical that I say, hey, the doctor is this fantastic character and, you know, his character development's great. And if someone was just like Kess, really good friends with the doctor, that's feasible. But actual holodeck characters who exist as part of a larger environment, basically befriending NPCs. I don't think it's too weird because some of the most compelling stuff that happens in, in, uh, uh, character growth across Berman era Trek happens with holographic characters. Once again, to go back to my favorite DS nine and Vic Fontaine and some of the stuff that happens in that show. And, and even just from a philosophical perspective, given that holographic characters are built in many cases to be very lifelike, particularly as time goes on. I don't think it's weird at all. In fact, I don't think even in universe, uh, people really see it as much as weird as like that you, you're boys with some some holographic projection that's been programmed essentially to be that for people. I mean, well, it's something that, I want to keep okay. in mind. I'm, I'm gonna say it's befriending the the decorations is weird. But so we jump over to the bridge. Kim's uh, dancing around at a station. Uh, Tuvok knows he wants to cut out early, get down to this party. Tuvok throws this dry ass line like instead of just being like, hey, dude, you can go take off. He's like, well, you know, you can go check the uh, the matrix on the holodeck and gives him this bullshit work reason to cut out early. And then we get he's trying to be like the cool Vulcan boss. Yeah, cool. You know? <laughs> he really, That's what he's trying to do is like Kim wants to dip early and he, he's, he's trying to be the cool boss and let him dip. But he's a Vulcan. So he's got to like hide it under like legitimate uh, a flag of authority. Well, you know, what this is showing us is that he really took something away from uh learning curve and he's he you know, he this is the the hip cool new Tuvok, not the old stuffy mean Tuvok. Anyways, Kim's about to duck out when he throws out what I think is my second favorite line of the episode. Tuvok's like uh Ensign don't leave yet. Kim turns over, looks on the main view screen. We see space shit <laughs> floating out there. Kim turns away from the turbo lift, plants his hands on the banister. It's like, what is that? And Go I, back to your station I and know! find out, you dumb fuck. <laughs> Slap myself in the head. I'm like, you what the fuck? That, that's what, just shut the fuck up. Go do your job. That is exactly what Tuvok, like, if he would have said that to me, I got up there and fucking pinched his ass right on the neck and, and set him down. Like that—that that is what I'm asking you, Kim. Is what is that? Get your ass on your fucking computer. Do your job. God, it's only man. It's you know what, Ensign Kim. If only if I had a a, a functional ops officer who could go check the goddamn console and find out for me, might have a fucking answer to that, Ensign. Would you happen to know where that is? Would you know where that guy is right now? Can I throw my set my first favorite? line out for the episode while we're while we're Go ahead. they're trying to figure out what uh what space shit has done to the ship and like why everything's going crazy and terrible and uh they're like well perhaps it's a weapon and we're currently under attack and fucking kim throw again kim throws out the line of the show who would want to attack us and why and it's like uh everybody for everything that you have done while you've been here <laughs> Harry, weren't you personally involved in an attempt to steal technology from a bunch of hyper-powerful teleporting aliens whose reach uh, goes across the entire quadrant? Wasn't that something you were involved with? 
Harry, weren't you there when uh, we cut a hole in not one but two space babies and flew the ship through it and just hurt everyone? Yeah, Harry, Harry can- have you noticed the weird dreadlocked aliens in trash ships that keep seeming to shoot at us every <laughs> two or three weeks? And we just blow have their shit up? Have you noticed them? Yeah. Oh, Harry, weren't you on a planet trying to rescue Tom and Bolana and Re- R.I.P. Fred Durst? From a bunch of aliens who steal our organs? Hey, Harry, didn't you teleport to another potential dimension and ruin their entire religion and belief structure? I don't know. Maybe some people would want to shoot at us, Harry. God. Yeah. So uh, Tuvok amazingly does not like jump kick Harry in his head. And uh, they flip back over to the, uh, the holodeck. And I don't know why this stood out as annoying, but like everybody's kind of like selling uh, Kess on like, oh, yeah, jumping out in a surprise. That's that's an Earth tradition. And oh, here's the candle. You know, you're going to blow out and make a wish, but you can't tell people what the wish is because that's a Earth tradition and presence tradition and wrapping paper tradition. But they don't bother to sing like the the defining like happy birthday tradition. <laughs> well, like this. Let's let's. Let's do one of those moments where I, I summarize a bunch of bullshit that we therefore do not have to cover. This episode is defined by what I would call time-killing dialogue. You can tell uh, that the troubled production of this episode, uh, you can see the, the, the fucking tree lines on it, you know, uh, with how much they have to fill the episode with pointless dialogue exchanges that serve no other purpose but just to keep the runtime at the minimum of 44 minutes. This includes, this will include in this episode, conversations about birthday traditions, getting Kess to make wishes, pointless conversations with a guy who is working out and just keeps running into our main characters to complain about the current predicament. This will involve conversations about death and what, you know, if people are afraid of it. I mean, like, this will, we're going to have fake Indian bullshit conversations. None of this does anything, means anything, or goes anywhere at any point. It's simply there because this bitch needs to be 44 minutes and they're going to fucking get there. That being said, I think uh, had they made the decision that they were going to cut out a lot of that side chatter and just actually gone through a full run of happy birthday, I would have been okay with it. <laughs> now that I've seen the other side of the coin, I'll tell you I would have rather have happy birthday than several of the conversation scenes we get here. I agree. But uh, speaking of something I would rather have missed is that that Tuvok tries to, to radio down to the holodeck to let them know that something was wrong. And then suddenly he becomes fucking T-Pain. Skipping over some some minor shit here and there. Finally, they all break out. Comms aren't working. Uh, there's a long auto-tuner scene. Do, do you remember watching this show, the, this episode, the first time it came out? Yes, I did. I did remember watching it the first time it came out. Did any of these yeah. whack-ass graphical effects they do look cool back then? No. Good because they look like shit in this one too. But anyway, so, so you know, they, they play with the audio a little bit on the comp system. They figure out that, hey, this isn't working. Everybody like basically scrambles to go get into uh, red alert mode, even though, are we going to say that red alert is part of the comm system and that's why the ship's not on red alert? I don't know. 
uh, Tuvok tries to warp through the space crap and it doesn't work. And eventually he tasks Harry with going to go actually retrieve the captain or talk to her or inform her what's going on. Uh, says the comms aren't working. Can I interject real quick? The bridge yeah. has at least 12 people working on it. You got all sorts of scrubs at these background stations that have never been defined. Tuvok's decision to send like the only other core bridge crew guy baffling. Yeah. I mean, later on, as we will hear, Tuvok himself leaves the bridge and he leaves off screen. We don't even see him in this episode, but he gets name checked twice. Smolder catcher guy was in charge of the ship. Fucking Maquis bruiser is in charge of the ship. Yeah. Wow. Well, while we're talking about Johnny Nobodies, Kim's roaming the halls, right? And we run into who I got excited about uh, from uh, God. What was it? The episode where uh, was it the Beowulf episode that opens with uh, the doctor and the the guy like, oh, I hurt myself working out at the gym and he like really treats the doctor like shit. I don't think it was the same guy. I'm going to look this up. Oh, no. Bullshit it is. This guy. I got obsessed with this guy. I will come to call him Howdy Doody because he looks like Howdy Doody. This guy, he's like dweeby as hell. And all he's like, um, oh, hey, bro. You know, like Kim's rolling down. He's like, oh, bro, uh, what's going on? I was working out in the gym, but like environmental controls went crazy. And uh, it started feeling really uh, hot. And I and I quote, I didn't realize it because I was working out so hard. My wife's upstairs doing God knows what. I paused to write this line down and she's like, what the fuck did that guy just say? And I read it back and she's like, that is that is the most obnoxious thing I think you could say. I didn't realize how hot it was because I was working out so hard. And I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, this is the same dude. So his name is uh, Lieutenant Baxter. And uh, he is... This is the third time we've seen him or heard about him. The first time was Sass and the Doctor, and he was uh, actually in a red command jumper back then. He, uh, oh, that's why I didn't recognize him. You're right. And Baxter. He was, orange, he was yellow now. And also in uh, the 37s when Janeway's talking about who she thought was going to take the opportunity to stay on 37 planet and, and you know, start a new life it's this guy she's talking about uh, yeah, i yeah then what a nice uh bit of continuity that this dude the next time we see him he's talking about how hard he's working out again you're right like that's all he does this is just and it's the last person that should talk like they should have some big meathead muscle dude with a ponytail oh bro i didn't realize how hot it was because i was working out so hard bro i didn't even realize how the gravity was screwed up because i was banging this girl so hard that when we started going up the wall i thought it was just from you know power of my uh deep savage thrusts bro i i didn't understand that the gravity went uh out because i was just doing a keg stand and i'm so strong i usually get myself upside down by myself but this is like the biggest howdy doody dweeb. I fell in love with him. And I was very sad to see once I started like researching this guy, memory alpha, that this is the last episode we ever get to see this guy. Anyways, so he's a security ah. guy now. And he's like, I can't find my team. And uh, off he goes and Harry fucks off to go get lost. This guy shows up uh, two more times just randomly to talk about how annoyed he is with this situation. 
Like, why is he in this episode? Aside to remind us that he can do some sweet squats, bro, just like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, why? What What fucking purpose? It's like I was waiting for him to matter in some way. It's like, is he going to, like, turn the corner and he's going to get, like, sucked into a fucking space vortex? And it's going to show the, the audience how terrible what's about to happen really is. Is, is he going to, like be like someone that con- like serves some purpose contacting other crew members or whatever. No, he just shows up to be like, what's going on? This is so annoying. What's going I want to go do my, my deadlifts. Damn it. Did I mention like, this- I'm into CrossFit? <laughs> He's right. This dude is the CrossFit guy on this ship. Ah, oh, Jesus. It well, was so fucking stupid. So here's what's going on, you know, to, to cut to the meat of the matter. Space shit has enveloped the ship and things are starting to get fucky. And basically reality on the ship is being rewritten. You know, crew cabins that are supposed to be on the sixth floor or on the fifth floor. Nothing makes sense. Like the walls aren't bleeding and, and pulsing in front of people's faces. But, you know, this is a good one of those like, is this space madness or is there just something really crazy going on with the ship? And here's where things get really crazy for me they keep finding themselves shunted onto what deck six that's a holiday yeah yeah deck six so let me ask you this uh, you and i are crew dudes on a starship and things are fucky you you get on the turbo lift you say bridge and you end up down in a cargo bay or engineering the elevators that move super fast at who knows how many miles an hour are not obeying commands, and you're walking through hallways, you cannot recognize things. What are two things that you would recommend we do not do? Being a reasonable well, human being. Being a reasonable human being. Uh, number one, I'd stop taking the elevator. Why is that? Uh, uh, because it's a fast-moving death trap if suddenly the computers think that you need to be ejected into space or some shit like so that. So you've seen Resident Evil. Good. Yes. Yeah. Where, speaking of Death Trap, where's the other place you would avoid on a starship? I would say the holodeck, which nine times out of ten is trying to kill you in the first place. If the computer is potentially off of its rails, I would stay out of the high-speed blender turbo lifts. And I would not go in the holographic death room. And these people cannot... I, I'm amazed that nothing terrible actually ended up happening in there. I was, I was waiting for the chance. I mean, really the worst thing that we see in this episode is like the, the madam of the brothel is like basically trying to rape the doctor. Let's, let's summarize six minutes of the episode in a few seconds, a stereotypical French thought who is the most stereotypical French thought of all time. When you're saying thoughts, this is T H O T that hoe over there. Yes. Okay. Uh, it keeps attempting to, Sexually assault the doctor, and he keeps resisting. There. I summarized summarized a good 15% of the episode. Good job. Thanks. And, and meanwhile, meanwhile, the rest of the crew, they'll try to get to, like, the action stations to deal with the problem. I don't want to jump uh, over the holodeck yet, because there's a, there's a line. And someone's like, oh, why can't we? Oh, Terry Kim goes in there and finds out that the doctor, who had copied himself over to the holodeck, can't get back to sickbay, right? Right. And he's like, uh, Kim's kind of like, well, too bad for you. I got to go off and find the uh, the the captain and uh, doctors like, well, I really need to be on sick bay and I'm more important. You know, 
you're a technician, please help me. Kim throws this other line out. He's like, well, gee, either the hollow emitters are malfunctioning or vice voice commands aren't registering. And it's like, no, dude, there's there's one of two things when we're talking about the holodeck. Either it's trying to kill you or it's turned off. <laughs> everyone treats the danger that everyone is in for the first 20 minutes of this episode with the most nonchalant, like annoyed. Like it's this it's the same way you would treat like having to do busy work. At your job, like, oh, I don't want to have to do this. This I, is bullshit. I think this lends itself to the credibility that space is a terrifying place and that there is some degree of desensitization that Starfleet has had to do these people where, again, you're having what is am I going crazy moments that everybody's like, gee, I thought I knew where I live, but I guess I just don't either. Jump off of whatever potential interesting thing might be happening. And let's give you a fistful of Neelix's jealous subplot. I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't. I didn't want it either, dude, but just, you got to sit through just, it. It's got to talk. This... Okay. All right. I know that I, I've used this, this um, analogy or joke or reference or whatever you want to call it once before, but this time I really fucking mean it. If I had the opportunity to go back in time to fix one mistake, I would find whoever thought to themselves in the writer's room of Voyager that what the show needed was a lot more Kess, snarf, snarf, psychodrama about the relationship, and I would strangle them in their fucking crib. I swear to God, I swear to Christ the savior that I am so fucking tired of this shit. The funny part is when I was reading the notes about, uh, you know, the show, even Michael Pillar's finally like, you know, this has got to stop. Uh, this was a, this is the last of the season one episodes that they held back for season two. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. I this, guess this, was, I 37s, this one, what non sequitur wasn't, uh, Elogium and and the doctor episode yeah and uh yeah it they just beat and it's minutes of this too right <laughs> and again for whatever reason both neelix and Kess, who came on as a pair have separate quarters because why not you know neelix is like harping on Kess because she doesn't know where she lives and it's like neelix you're up in this place all the time too how how, how are you gonna give her shit about this the, the whole dialogue scene of the how do you know where all these dudes live thing it's just oh man like it, it, I, this wouldn't even be good dialogue if you were a couple i fucking cared about this wouldn't even be fun if this were were fucking jadzia and Worf. you know like it, this is just stupid this is just bad it's it's bad because it's uh him giving her shit about oh yeah that's that's a She's like, I know that these rooms don't belong on my floor. And he latches on this like, well, why do you know why this guy's quarters are? And starts basically insinuating that she's screwing around with like these other guys. Stop, dude. She's two years old. You haven't even slept with her. You got no realistic claim on anything here. And uh, the the jealous boyfriend just needs to stop. The uh, They end up uh, all of the, the people trying to get to the bridge fail. They all wind up back at the holodeck. You know, they 
There's a look that Janeway gives at the end of the sort of sequence of events where they all wind up there before they cut to commercial where she looks up at Tom after he makes like a, a joke. And it's like this look of resignation. <laughs> I've never, I've never like really like felt such a deep connection to, to, to a nonverbal in my life than in that moment. And, and in the next scene, they are, uh, they, they've, they've basically, because they can't get to the conference room. It's like, it's like some broke ass, you know, vampire LARP setup where they've got all the fucking tables at the, at the shitty bar they're playing at all grouped together. So they can have their fucking primogen council meeting. Do you see that? They're like all the little shitty round tables. And they're on those, they're on the, on the bar chairs, like simulating being in a, an adult's room, but they, they, they're not, they're, they're shitty sight. I saw that. And that's during the same time the doctor busts out what I thought was some valuable dialogue where he's like, they start trying to figure out what's going on here. And he throws uh, an option. I was like, you know, you said there was some radiation involved. Yeah, maybe the ship is actively reconfiguring itself in some uh, event horizon hellscape. Or maybe you guys are all just going crazy because your brains got fucking sapped with uh, some lethal radiation doses. Unfortunately, you know, I can't uh, tell because I'm just a hologram and I don't have any medical equipment here. They're trying to come up with how we're going to fix this thing. And and I missed something when we talked about, hey, technology is potentially on the fritz. Maybe the computer's fucked up or going crazy or something is wrong. You know, what are the two things that you would not do in a starship? Uh, go in the death tube turbo lift, go in the danger room deck. The third and probably the most important thing you should never do when your technology is malfunctioning is go anywhere near the goddamn transporter. <laughs> and when Bellana yeah. and Tom suggest that they go do that, I slap myself in the face and I was like, at the best, you can hope to be beamed out into space where you are going to be frozen and die. And at the this worst, I would say, it's going to be the classic oops now you're part of the wall scenario. And we've seen the horrific nature of that on this show. All of these people know that's terrible from the Seska episode. But so off they I, go. I did, I, did, I did like when uh, Snarf Snarf invites himself along on Chakotay's adventure. And Janeway asks if Chakotay's okay with that. And you just get like this. I don't know how, where Robert Beltran found some of his non-verbals. He just gives this look of like, oh, fuck. Okay, I he guess. He so much shade in this episode, it, it actually endeared me to Chakotay. I he said rolls, the same thing. He rolls <laughs> his eyes on Snarf Snarf. He also rolls his eyes pretty good at a couple things that uh, uh, Tuvok throws out there, too. And it was a good episode to really remind you that, you know, the guy right underneath you at work is the same fucking dude who was ready to plant a knife in your back uh, eight months ago when he was pretending to be part of your crew and was really a Federation spy. But when she's like, hey, you know, uh, Snarf's like, like uh, I'm a great tracker and everybody knows it and whatever. And then Janeway's like, you want to take him? Chakotay rolls his eyes. I want to be like, again, failed potential and, and bottle episodes and all that stuff. There's tons of opportunities in this show to show continuity and build on itself. And I'm not saying it's got to be ground shaking stuff, but in this case, it would have been great if Chakotay would have, or someone would have been like, uh, what? So this guy can wander off and get his fucking lungs ripped out of him again? Because that's what I was thinking in my head. Pairing him with Chakotay has to be a nod to Phage, where 
Neelix wormed his way into an away team party. Neelix wandered off. Neelix paid the fucking price. And much to my delight, later on in the episode, Neelix is wandering around with them. They come across Tuvok. <laughs> While Tuvok and uh, Chakotay are talking, you see Neelix just go fucking wandering off around the corner. I'm like, please tell me this dude's just going off rogue again. And he does, and he gets lost, and I loved it. That was probably my favorite part of the episode, I think. I think my, it was definitely my favorite part of the episode, because not only was he gone until the most hilariously shitty and stupid ending that I have ever seen, but it was just like the writers were like, we have to be – no more. We give up. Like they, They're like, we cry uncle. He's gone – he just goes around the corner. He's gone. And we are never going to explain what happened. And we just don't want to write any more fucking dialogue for this goddamn filthy space cat. We're fucking done. Chakotay's like, Neelix. And Tuvok's looking at it. I, I would have paid money. I would have bought some downloadable content if Chakotay just turned around and said, you know what? I hope he fucking dies this time. Well, after that, I mean, just before that, he's like interrogating Chakotay about like if he's got handy with the ladies. And he like gives this like... <laughs> Dude, motherfucker, I fuck. <laughs> like, I get down. Are you fucking with me right now? I get down. What what if what if Neelix would have been like, you know, uh, I'm sure you're real handy with the ladies if uh if like Tuva or uh, Chicote would have flipped out and been like, bitch, are you throwing Seska in my face? And like Doby punched uh Neelix down onto the ground. <laughs> like how good how good of a character flaw would that be for Chakotay that anytime someone mentions anything women, he immediately becomes like super uh defensive, thinks that they're dragging up that, you know, the biggest act of treason on the ship so far <laughs> and trying to rub his face and he just goes off the deep end. Don't they run into workout man sometime in there too? Howdy Whatever. duty? Yeah. How yeah. Howdy Doody gets picked up. Uh, all sorts. And that's another thing, too, man. You know, again, buddy systems not really being used too tight here. They send Howdy Doody off to die a lonely death several times. If I had to really classify this episode as what encapsulated the best, I think it's when they're in engineering and Tom and Balana are trying to work out how to get the transporter to put someone's, uh, you know, head in a floorboard at a molecular level. She goes to step into some closet to reconfigure or whatever, and the door opens up and there is some Asian crew member in his boxer briefs looking at her. And it's this buff guy, too. I mean, they, they got a guy that's like must must look top notch with his shirt off. This is the guy who should be playing Howdy Duties. It should have been Howdy Duty. It should have been like super buff Howdy Duty showing off all those all the, the fucking work he did on his traps. Oh, a lot of you like what you see. You want to come in here? Um, and she plays it off with like, oh, I just swung by your quarters intentionally to tell you it's a red alert and be ready. The whole episode boils down to, all right, we're going to split up and you go left and I go right. And then amazingly, somehow we cross paths again, or I go into a door that I think is going to be engineering and really it's a bathroom. It comes down to these door gags. It's like the most Scooby-Doo thing possible. <laughs> My wife also invoked Scooby-Doo and it tells you so much about snarf snarf that he's the only one who just goes missing like everybody else like has some sort of like thing that happens to them where they like piece together part of the puzzle of what's happening to them snarf snarf's the only one they're like and he's gone fuck that there's a bunch of different kind of moments like that you know like janeway and harry kim or doing the reasonable thing right and that is 
busting out the Jeffries tubes, which what I think I would do the second I was like, oh, wait a minute, there's something wrong with the computer and the how, the turbo lift dropped me off the wrong deck. You know what? Fuck it. I'll take the ladders. He does. She does take a moment in the middle of their crisis, of course, to uh, give Harry Kim a quick performance eval. You know, five out of five exceeds expectations. I can only you know, assume that he did not fully debrief her on the massive squandered opportunity to help Voyager at a level he is incapable of ever doing well on the ship and left Starfleet Command to return to their predicament. But anyways, this entire episode could be best defined, honestly, by the unnecessary conversations that these crew members are having in the middle of a crisis. I mean, at, at every all of the, the main focus of the running time is... The doc not trying not to fuck the French lady, uh, you know, snarf snarf being a jealous boyfriend and asking people for advice about how not to be a jealous boyfriend. Uh, Chakotay and Tuvok throwing shade at each other. Janeway later talking in baby talk. Harry Kim feeling insecure about his She's life. like Essen has D out of nowhere about what a great crew member. And, and I saw the writing on the wall. I'm like, they're endearing you to Janeway because she's the one who's going to finally fall victim. Sure enough, they get up through the Jeffrey's tube. Did you see that door like the second she touched it, like the light coming through the crack and like how cheap the set piece was? Well, I mean, the camera effect was. No, before that, I'm talking about like the physical door. Like, oh, the door won't open. We're going to have to open it with this suction cup thing. Like the stuff's made out of styrofoam. Like the whole set piece is moving as she's like trying to jimmy this door open. But fucking Kate Mulgrew cannot do any pain acting. I've it's just like her blind spot. That's the only way I can describe it. She gets her hand out into like this area that's being warped by this shit that they're dealing with. Uh, she and, touches space madness itself. And, and it's like this Fantastic Four movie from 19, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie, Mr. Fantastic kind of effect with her arm. And she has to do pain acting. And man, she is just consistently fucking terrible. Whenever she's called upon to like be in pain or be in distress, like she's like a soap opera actress like that she is. And so it's all just way overblown, but not in any way like relatable or sincere. And every time I see it now, it's just like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Tuvok and Chakotay have a little bit of tit for tat about the puzzle and logic and Tom and Bolana's plan to beam piece of people themselves to the bridge they don't fails even, they don't even mention jumping back to this transport they don't even mention hey by the way this could be like super dangerous and you know kill us or maybe even blow the ship up or whatever they just they go right into it no fucks and then they wind up back at the holodeck essentially ah, oh, everyone winds up there ah, again. when they beam into i want to point out they beam on top of the holodeck on the top of the pool table had they beamed up at waist level like anybody else they would have been bisected and killed they should have been bisected and killed these transporters, they're dangerous, I'm telling you. Unfortunately, they were not. And so the episode, therefore, continues. And they everyone sucks, but they decide they're going to make a map and try and figure out what's going on because suddenly tricorders have answers. And they figure out, like, the ship's being warped by the space crap somehow. And really, the only part that's stable is the part they're in, which suddenly makes me think, like, then how are they getting to engineering? Is it really just deck six has all the stuff on it now or i don't understand the logic of it at all they don't try to explain it of course because it's dumb the only good part of the episode follows in that chakotay asserts himself 
as you know, I'm in command. Janeway's incapacitated by her touching space madness and is like talking backwards like she's a Satanist. I think that might be my new phone ringtone. Peace like needle at you smooth dog. I it was it was comically stupid when they had her interject that stuff. And you, it's like, where is this going, right? A couple of key moments here, right? So Chakotay asserts himself on Tuvok because they come down to, hey, we got to make a play. And Balana's like, let's overload the warp core and create an explosion of uh, technobabble answers. And then uh, Tuvok's like, let's try to get on the uh, navigation array and use thrusters to finish pushing through space shit. And Chakotay's like, we're going with Balana. And Chakotay tries to argue it, and uh, he gets shut down hard. But during this debate, they're like, well, you know, this warp core overload thing, we don't have a chance to prepare the crew for what we're going to do, and it might really scare them. And I was like, where was this level of regard about not warning the crew about your, your crazy ass stunts a couple episodes ago when, you know, you cooked everything to to fight off the Neelix uh, plague cheese. Oh, yeah, the cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there a town hall after the cheese incident where it was like, hey, look, you know, we all thought we were being cooked alive in a major warp core breach or something like the next time you guys are going to blow something up or try to like crank something up to 11 to fix the, the episode problem of the night. Like, can you just go on the PA and say, hey, guys, heads up. I know it it feels kind of dumb at this point to bring up these tiny inconsistencies because at the ending is almost like a direct insult to someone who tried to take this episode like as as a serious science fiction entertainment adventure. Here's here's the here's the gist. They basically fail to to mess with the space crap. They blow and it up. Far- and and I want to just jump in real quick too. I'm hoping in my mind, like, like, all right, we're going to rig the warp core to blow up this whatever magic dust that's going to fix this, we think. They run out of engineering, and they're like, we need to be out of here. Otherwise, we're going to die if we're still in engineering. They run out, they round the corner, and I'm like, man, you guys are banking hard on that corner taking you to safety when you're in the space funhouse Voyager. Like, how funny if they just rounded the corner and ended up right back in engineering again. Oh, no. <laughs> Damn it. How do we not predict this? So they they fuck that up, whatever. It doesn't work. And Tuvok basically lays a plan out for them after they've run out of options to say, why they don't we just force do nothing? Field holding like them like death is at bay for the next 30 seconds. And it, Tuvok just lays out, let's just let it happen. We don't have any other choice. We have no other log- logical options. Let's see what happens with this. And everyone faces death and we get a little bit more pointless dialogue, some bro talk. I forgive um, you for this. And I forgive yeah. you for that. We get a tiny bit of Indian bullshit flute and, and spirit guide stuff. And, um, how they wrap this episode is that everyone, the whole ship gets engulfed by the spacecraft and then it cuts right back to everybody. Everyone is fine. No big deal. No big deal. The ship is fine. And they go to the bridge. 
and find out that the 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 spacecraft was people. It was trying to communicate. It gave them a bunch of information. And then Neelix shows up to the bridge with the fucking cake. He brings it. He, he doesn't explain where he's gone. He's just like, oh, it was an adventure. It was a story. I'll tell you later. Let's have cake. Do 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 do. Boop. That's it. That's where it ends. He just brings the fucking cake. It's like cake time on the bridge. If you were going to do a robot chicken sketch of Voyager, <laughs> that's how you'd fucking end it. Like n- nothing happens. Everything was fine. They were just trying to communicate all is well. Let's have cake on the bridge. That's what's up. That's what fucking happened. Roll I was so back. insulted. Roll this back. Space shit death cloud that is bending space and time and torturing people downloaded their entire computer database and then flew away. They got basically like space Russian hackers. And Janeway's just like wonderstruck, like, oh God, wasn't that wasn't that beautiful? That was like when we collected those space starfish babies. We made first contact. It raided the shit out of our fucking database, flew off with all of our information about everything, left nothing in return. No, no, it left 10,000 gigaquads of information. And uh, what, I, what I wanted was another line of dialogue saying, Captain, we've analyzed the data. It's 10,000 gigaquads of hardcore bestiality pornography. <laughs> I've replaced our entire database with with illegal porn. <laughs> What they have done, Captain, is they have left 10,000 gigaquads of that funny line of dialogue you stood up and said over and over and over again. He's like me, like me, spirit part. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I want to I throw this out here. What if this really was the Skeevians still pissed off? They found Voyager. Uh, they have to get their economy of stories set straight. They have trapped Voyager in a torture bubble while they download all the information so they could just basically dump, you know, whatever they traded away for their illegal space folding device. So they could just put it all out there and devalue it before they return back. There, Harry Kim, that's who wishes to attack you and, and harm you and what they're after. Even that, not good enough to, to pull this episode out of the dumpster. Whack-ass effects all over the place. Bad audio effects. Terrible, warpy reality bending effects bad cg effects when they show like the altered map of uh voyage and you could tell they were just like using the warp effect in photoshop the the crew being hacky about or happy about getting hacked the cake on the bridge for a second time of like you said the robot chicken ending which i think is an amazing way to describe the ending of this it's a, it's a poop episode again i wouldn't say it's the worst i just it's the lack of continuity that's really starting to get to me and I want to call, uh, you know, shout out to Tim Russ Tuvok. The guy's a fan, right? Yeah, he absolutely is. He knows what's going on. Like there's there's somebody on the set when they're doing this stupid stuff who knows better. Because I see in the production notes, he talks about like, I had a really hard, you know, t- when Chakotay's like, hey, Tuvok, you know, we're burying the hatchet essentially. Uh, you know, I know it's got to be hard for you that the captain appointed me second in command instead of you. And Tuvok's like, you know, it's not a big deal. I uh, always respect Janeway's decisions. <laughs> and they move on with life. And Tim Russ is like, uh, you know, that was a hard line of dialogue for me to say, because clearly I don't always respect Janeway's decisions since, you know, 
prime factors. I fucking straight up went behind her back and uh, broke the prime directive on her ass. There's someone out there who, you know, the, the continuity is there on set. Like, they could be interjecting and at least dragging some other stuff and building some connectivity, even in these crap episodes, and they're not. There are times when to, uh, when Tim Russ apparently really corrected some of the characterization of Tuvok in particular to be more in line with with uh, Vulcan canon. So yeah, he's a definite fan. He's also been one of the more active uh, Star Trek cast members that's done a lot of fan film stuff mm-hmm. pretty reliably. So he's definitely like into this to a surprising degree. Um, and... Uh, even that's not enough to fix these problems. You got someone out there who sees these hazards and still, you know, the ship, the the production turns into them. Um, again, nowhere near as bad as a logium. At least stuff was happening. It's very clear that this was a cost-saving episode. They'd introduce anybody new. They broke out, you know, the cheap side extras, Baxter. Everything's on the ship. Uh, and it was uh, it was a bad one. Yeah, um, I'd say second worst overall. I would say only Elogium is worse. Um, this is better by simple fact of the matter that I busted out laughing at how ridiculous uh, the ending was, as well as uh, all that wonderful Chakotay shade throwing was was a delight, really? an unexpected moment of delight. But So that saves it from, from being as bad as Elogium, but man... Fuck this show. This this for the first season was all right. It was okay. It was okay. This second season has been fucking miserable. There's been one really good episode. Let's go through second- real quick. And I wanna when we do the recap for this one, I think we should take our top five episodes and then the worst five episodes. Uh, but thirty sevens, garbage initiations. Okay. Okay. Projections A plus plus double plus good. Elochim crap non sequitur crap twisted crap. It's just uh, it's not the first season of the show that killed it. It was the second. Uh, I just it's I I can't I can't imagine someone who watched seven se- episodes into the season and was like I'm hungry for more. <laughs> I want more. Kick me more in the balls. You know, I, I want this. Like, no. No, this is where you lose people and they don't fucking come back. Well, let me tell you where you're going to go if you hang out here. All right. And I got to call out. I'm looking at Netflix. I got the season two, episode seven. What is it? Part, part tuition? I think so, yeah. This picture that they got next to the 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 teaser it's kim and it's uh paris and they both look terrible and it's cringy and they both have bad hair i think this might need to be our new v'ger police trauma support group uh background (laughs) after a disagreement neelix and paris are trapped on an alien planet and must work together so that they and their alien baby ward can survive my two dads in space Here's a light of hope on this one. It is directed by Jonathan Frakes. So the Frakester returns to us. 
You've just twisted the knife because I was about to say, I don't think there's any way in hell that anything can pull this thing out of the inevitable trash can of filth we're going to find ourselves in. But God, I hope Frakes can pull this off. I think I think Frakes is going to get a raw deal here and he's going to stuck in the same, uh, you know, holding the same poopy blanket that uh, LeVar Burton did. Do you remember no, this episode? I, no, not at all. Uh, I don't remember it in the slightest. So uh guess we'll find out together, my friend. Can't get much worse, right? I only look can only look up from here. Can't can you? Because I'm afraid I'm I'm legitimately afraid that after a Logem 37s in this thing, like what else is season two capable of? This is a season two is a a a chimpanzee with a revolver just waving it around. <laughs> <laughs> it's got no fucks to give. It doesn't care if it gets canceled. UPN's in there like whispering evil things in its ears like, yeah, show that as your season finale. Put that gun right in your own mouth, monkey. I, I, this was the first time I have seriously considered like if I have the personal fortitude to continue, like how much more of this shitty show do I do I have to watch before I give up? Like, well, I guess oh I, I thought <laughs> when I have to look at an episode and say, well, you know what? At least now we have a uh, replicator ration currency system. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, and that's, that's my spot. <laughs> <laughs> like how desperate is it going to get on Voyager? Are people going to start like sucking dick for replicator rations? Like sh- show me an addiction episode. Make that our special episode. You're talking about, uh, you know, an extra special uh, you know, after school about the dangers of smoking. It's a dangers of a replicator addiction and the terrible depths people will sink to to get those credits. All right. Uh, this was a episode of, again, space madness again and defying all logic. The unwritten rule of uh, acquisition. When no appropriate rule applies, make one up. I hate this show. I hate the fact that I agreed to watch every episode of it. I'm going to hate every moment of having to edit this podcast and remind me of this experience. Everything is pain. All there is is suffering. This has been V'ger, please. Goodbye. <laughs>